Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I did call the shirt basic pile of shit in my notes here. <laughs> <laughs> McMannigan, the British Bulldog, is part of the new generation. You may all bow before D. Mabel. Here it comes, here it comes the Jackknife. On lives the new generation and the World Wrestling Federation. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review as the other Cultaholic lads continue on that wild road to WrestleMania. We are here via the Pro Power DeLorean. We pulled in to the side. We're quite a few miles away from a gas station, but we've got perhaps just enough petrol to make it to King of the Ring. We're not quite sure. We're going to see what we do. We may need to flag down WCW to give us a lift some of the way. And who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, former Cultaholic Heavyweight Champion, the advocate for the reigning Cultaholic Heavyweight Champion, Tom Campbell. I am with the bear in the big blue bar cage. He is the head pen of Cultaholic. If you were to give him a pencil like the knee and leg slapping of WWE, he would immediately ban it from his facilities and write a passive aggressive note using a pen, which he needs because he doesn't need a pencil because he gets it right every time. He is Justin Henry and he is off of America. What's up there, Tommy? Hey, I tell you what's up, the sky. Oh, ah, that old gag. That's some good banter. Hey, as, as I said before we started recording, it feels like a, a hot minute since it's just been me and you chatting about the Monday Night Raws, sir. Oh, yes, I was um, <clears throat> I was wondering what was absent from my life, and I realized uh, warmed over mid-card action. <laughs> oh, is it? And this is a warm, a warm dosage of it tonight. It really, well, that's... really is. It's got steam coming off of it, and it should be buried quickly. <laughs> a heads up uh, for those who uh, support the Cultolic Classic Raw Review. Thank you for doing so. We're not going anywhere. I had two weeks off as a holiday or vacation, whatever you want to call it. So if you're messaging me going, where are you? I took two weeks off of everything. And we're back. It's fine. We haven't fallen out, amazingly. We're still here. And we're coming back once again with the ill behavior. We are making a slight change, just to give you some admin. Uh, we will be moving days for the classic Raw review. You normally enjoy the dulcet tones of Justin Henry from Off of America and myself to a lesser extent 
on a Saturday. However, from next week, you'll be enjoying that on a Tuesday. What happens to the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown review that resides on a Tuesday? I hear you cry. Well, Matthew, Greg and myself will be swapping and moving to a Saturday instead. So what you need to know is from next week, Classic Raw review on a Tuesday. So after you've watched modern day Monday Night Raw, you can remember it could be worse and you can join us in 1995 the night after and likewise with smackdown if you're enjoying or not enjoying smackdown in 2021 the following day you can stick on the podcast with matthew and myself back 20 plus years as well that makes sense doesn't it justin that's all clear it's on it i said that uh sorry i had a, had a brain freezer trying to comprehend all that <laughs> I just have to remember my show. That's all that matters. All you have to do, basically, the, the the behind the curtain, just you and I for Justin, we still record on the same day. That doesn't change. <laughs> they don't pay me to think. <laughs> Literally, if you just bring your bring your pretty face here, same time as we normally chat, everything mm. else will be sorted. Mm. Right. Every, everything works out just based on my uh, Pepsodent smile. <laughs> it is the most Pepsodent that I ever did see. You could do adverts biting an apple. <laughs> They're the best ones where they go, this doesn't hurt at all. Anyway, we're going to go back to Monday Night Raw from 1995. We are uh, reeling from In Your House 1. A thank you to Sam Driver for joining us for the In Your House Watch Along. That was cool because it was the first time that uh, the the team behind War Stories have actually got together to talk properly. Wasn't that? not that true, Justin? Uh, that's true, and I, I, I was more captivated by his luminous hair than the um, middling card that we had to watch. He has gorgeous hair, doesn't he? He does. And you'll be pleased to know that he'll be returning for a watch-along in the future. So. He's like a Fabio wearing the thrash metal. <laughs> John! <laughs> Fabio as a thrash metal player. Just a picture of Sam. <laughs> Fabio and Slayer. Hello, we're Slayer. This is our song called Kill All the Dolphins. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> They're from the West Country, if I remember correctly. Um, let's go back to 1995. We can't put it off any longer. Justin, where and when are we this week for Monday Night Raw? Well, as kind of already indicated, it is the night after the first in your house. It's Monday, May 15th, 1995. We are live from the Broome County Arena in Binghamton, New York. Broom County Arena. We go to the best places, don't we? Oh yes, it's um. You would think Broom County would have would somehow tie into like Harry Potter or something, but no. <laughs> it's just off of Diagon Alley, if I remember mm. correctly. Um, mm. in a minute, Justin Henry is going to talk us through this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. We are watching chronologically from the beginning, and we are uh, all the way deep into 1995, and the waters are getting deeper. So, if you have the network, or if you whatever it looks like post network in the future you can you can watch it with us and you can enjoy the notes that we find but i always like to paint a little picture of the wrestling landscape of this particular week before we hand over to justin to guide us by the hand through these weary streets of london uh this particular week in the wrestling world we had a very special event go down at the boston gardens so the gardens were set to be pulled down and and uh, rebuilt and they had a night well not really not quite rebuilt it was just it was done for Oh, I thought they were putting it somewhere else. They were opening no, a new building. It was replaced by what was then known as the Fleet Center, which is now TD Garden, which has been the 
home of Boston sports ever since then. That's what I was thinking of. Well, in that case, it is the end of days for the Boston Gardens and mm-hmm. uh, a night to remember. It's being put on by the World Wrestling Federation on the 13th of May. Uh, it's a it's a glorified house show. Uh, and I say that with with absolute love. It's got a as as Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer at the time describes it. Uh, it's, it has a slamboree type atmosphere in the sense that it's uh, a lot of the modern talent plus legends from the day. Ten thousand people packed into the Boston Gardens for this one, and as well as some of the matches, which we'll go through in just a second, we had appearances by uh, WWF legends Tony Guerrilla. Uh, George Steele, Angelo Sav- Savoldi, sorry, Savoldi. Savoldi, that's the one. Arnold Skoland, Pat Patterson, Killer Kowalski, Chief J Strongbow, Gorilla Monsoon, Nikolai Volkov, who is actually active roster, I do believe, and Vince McMahon. As well as all that, also an appearance by, and this was a really nice touch, and I don't know whether you have any memories of this chap, a, a veteran preliminary wrestler from Dorchester, New York, called Pete mm. Doherty. Mm-hmm. Actually, at Dorchester, Massachusetts, he's the Duke of Dorchester. Ah, oh, my apologies. If you, if, okay, if if you have never heard Pete Doherty talking, not the Libertines guy. This is somebody different. Pete Doherty looked like how to best describe it. He had this shaggy blonde hair, this toothless smile, and the most interesting voice you've ever heard in your entire life. He's he sent he sounded like Animal from the Muppets with a Boston accent. <laughs> And as a rib, and this had to be a rib, they used to put him on commentary sometimes with Monsoon. And for Houston shows in 87, they would team him with Bruce Pritchard and Mike McGurk as a commentary team. Oh, my God. <laughs> there is footage out there that corroborates this. It is an amazing. Yeah, this is how we talk like, like you got to appreciate the big thighs of one man gang. <laughs> like, <laughs> He was like a demonic selfie. It sounds like it goes from being like commentary. To, it's not even bad commentary. It's just like a form of weird art. It's like an <laughs> it's like an art installation at a wrestling show with those three on it. We paid tribute to Duke in one of our videos. It was um like ten forgotten stars of the golden era. It was like like his his voice sounded like he was gargling razor blades. <laughs> He's got a study. Man. A stunning twist to his voice. I'm a big mm. fan. Do you notice there's a name missing from this lineup of legends? Somebody that was a big part of the Boston Garden scene. Bruno. Bruno. Distinct lack of Bruno. A lot of people in the run up to the event were saying, Where's Bruno? Of course, Bruno is uh, at, uh, at a massive loggerheads with WWF at this point. They're not, they're not on the best of terms. Killer Kowalski during the night would give a speech to the crowd and. There are some, there is some conspiracy theory doing the rounds on this because in Killer Kowalski's speech, he talked about Bruno Sammartino, give a lot of love to Bruno. And Dave says, although everyone else calling in said that Kowalski's speech was inaudible, is that in now? Is the conspiracy theorist in me is asking the question why the one man that was that was bigging up Bruno? Couldn't be heard. Well, it's. I thought maybe it had something to do with the fact that he he, he had kind of a um a distinct way of talking. Kowalski, he was a little at times hard to understand, and and I said that with all due respect. He did. He 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 kind of like talked like the top of his mouth, like I'm killer Kowalski, like almost like Snape. <laughs> he he kind of had that voice in a way. Which, which I say, I, I, I mean, no disrespect to Kowalski no, no, is a actually, certified now legend. Now you say that, yeah, I, I, I read it as, oh, the mic was playing up as he was bigging up Bruno. 
I'm not sure that would be the case. In fact, I'm sure Vince would rather people put Bruno over and attempt to try and try and soften him on the company because rather than, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're obviously things, the, the ice did thaw sometime later than that. Uh, the card for the night then, Bushwhackers beating Heavenly Bodies. Bushwhackers had Tony Guerrero in their corner. Um, who was a well, native? Who, who, who said live with them was the native of New Zealand. That's true. They are all from the, all from the region. They all lit Greer's face after it was lovely. Uh, we had a we had a video message from Freddie Blassie. He couldn't be there. He's he's been having some health issues. Uh, says he'll be there for the opening of the new arena, obviously the Fleet Center. Uh, there were reports that they were going to hold off returning to Boston until WrestleMania at this point as well. Well, that wasn't quite the case because they, because when they came back from Mania, it was three years later. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll be quite a while yet. Quite a while. Uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley beating Phil Apollo in a dud at 6 minutes 40. Uh, Man Mountain Rock had, had Doherty in his corner. You'll be excited to know as he beat Quang in Quang's final night in the company. Who knows what happened to Quang after that? We'll never More importantly, why wasn't Doherty the narrator for a Man Mountain Rock's documentary? <laughs> How would that have sounded, Justin? Mm. Daryl Peterson was a consummate athlete. <laughs> he was the kind of guy who will give you the shirt off his back. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> we need a we need a, an episode which is just you doing impressions. I think we just uh, it's like we, we do we should we should do it as an April Fool's gag. We should we should say we've unearthed a podcast featuring Doherty, Stu Hart, and Dave Meltzer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've never actually done a show with those guys. <laughs> oh, Dave! Dave, man! Stop taking everything seriously, Dave! So, so the gag on BTE this week <laughs> was that, um, you know how how John Silver is like the, uh, you know, he's he's the butt of all, all the, you know, the, all the jokes in, um, in, the, in the Dark Order. Well, um, he, uh, well, this week he, um, he prank called a person and asked if he had a, uh, you know, Prince Albert in a can. And, um, and the guys, the guy said, um, yeah. And, and then silver, you know, he bungled the famous punchline, which is, um, you know, we well, better, you know, let him out. He, but he says, he said something different and believe me, it was a lot funnier than how I'm describing it. And, um, you know, it's, um, yeah. And it's, a, it wasn't as funny as when Jumbo Saruta prank called Baba that time. And, um, um, you know, um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, it, it was a very funny call. I'm probably not doing it justice, to be honest with you. I want Dave to do stand up. I want that so badly. But, he have, does. but the stand but yeah, I guess he does on a, on a weekly basis via, via wrestlingobserver.com. Um, it's like Skinner on The Simpsons doing stand-up. Yes, it's John. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Actually, he gets actually John. Maybe don't do that because he does get a bit funny. Don't do that one, John. Instead, um, no. do Undertaker as a ballerina and send it to him. <laughs> yeah, we must, we must emphasize we love Dave on this show. Oh we have, God, we love the. Do you have much respect them. for Dave Meltzer? Just we're just having a little fun with a man we respect. I would love the. I love the bows off Dave Meltzer. I love to have Dave on Desert Island Graps. I pitched, actually, I pitched uh, Desert Island Graps to my new best friend the other day. I haven't mentioned, I'm surprised I've avoided mentioning that on, on news on news videos up until now. My new best friend, Triple H. <laughs> you think I'll accept? He hasn't, he hasn't responded yet, sadly, but it's fine. He quote tweeted me the other day. We're now <laughs> basically best mates. 
Are you going to ask him about his dub with Phil Apollo? <laughs> I am going to ask him. Um, mate, thanks for coming on today. Before we get any further, talk me mo- mo- note for note through your match with Phil Apollo from a from, from a night to remember uh, in the Boston Gardens. Remember uh, Phil <laughs> Apollo. Uh... What if I did a Desert Island grab to Triple H and every time he started talking about something else, I'd just bring him back to talking about Phil Apollo? He picked the time that Norm McDonald interviewed Bob Einstein on, on his podcast. <laughs> Yes. Explain to the explain to the people who Perry Saturn was. We <laughs> <laughs> just keep cutting them off. I want to do that so badly. Oh god. Um, rest of the card. Rody beat Bob Ollie in just under ten minutes. Um, after the match, George Steele came out in a lovely suit and tie. He then ripped off his suit and tie, went went wild, attacked Bill Dunn, the ring announcer, and at a turnbuckle. That's our boy. Excellent work. He got the biggest pop of the night with the exception of, of one a bit later on. He got the biggest pop of the night. So good for him. Actually, the next biggest pop of the night comes next. Bret Hart teaming up with Davy Boy Smith to face Jerry Lawler and Hakushi. Where's Luger? Mm. Uh, Hart making Hakushi submit to the sharpshooter in that one. Best match of the show so far. A whole three stars from Dave. Uh, bless uh, Savoldi and Skoland coming out for a chat. Wave to the crowd. No one responded, according to Dave. Bless them. Uh, they had a ladder match on this show. Jeff Jarrett beating Razor Ramon in 10 minutes and 32. I see <laughs> a, little, a little hidden ladder match here. Indeed, they had a few of them in the spring of 95. Cheeky little so-and-so. Uh, Blue Brothers beat the Head Shrinkers uh, up next. Lou Albano back with Head Shrinkers for this one night as their manager. Did a lovely <laughs> speech as well and, and got the crowd up on their feet. Pat Patterson came out to a, a mixed response after this. Uh, gave some love to fans in Boston saying they're the best fans in the world. Then you had Undertaker beat Karma in 13 minutes in a dud. <laughs> it was what? In a dud. How Amazingly, terrible. Undertaker and Karma didn't didn't set the rating system alight for old Dave on this occasion. I think it's just someone sending in ratings for the match. I don't think Dave was actually there. Ah, oh, fair enough. Uh, Kowalski <laughs> gave his speech, which we talked about, bigging up... Uh, Bruno Sammartino, many said was inaudible. Uh, the show carries on. Bam Bam Bigelow was managed by Chief J Strongbow, everyone's definite favourite Native American. Uh, pinned to Tonka with a sunset flip. Afterwards, McMahon came out. He presented a plaque to Steve Nazro of the Gardens. And a few of the legends came out with him as well. Patterson, during the ceremony, uh, got into a shoving fight with Chief J Strongbow. <laughs> and then everyone had to break it up. We nearly got Strongbow and Pat didn't happen sadly we had to go straight oh. to- i know right would have been a better main event than we got it was diesel and sid in 635 uh gorilla monsoon was the ring announcer for this one and in a little tw- in an interesting little twist dbrc kept getting involved kept sticking his oar in who runs out to make the save for diesel from the from the nefarious ted dibiase it's going nikolai right it's nikolai volkov <laughs> and- yep. But it's the face turn of the year, and it happens at this show. It is the biggest face turn of the century. Uh, Volkov running off DiBiase. Uh, and and that is how we end the show with Diesel Pinning Sid. There you go. Welcome back. Thanks for the gardens. Thanks for the memories. And end of the Boston Gardens. You have a lot of memories of the Boston Gardens, Justin? And I want to see a lot I want to see a lot of specific memories outside of a great Rockers Brainbusters match in 89. But I think what stands out the most is um, just how unique the building looked. With the straight-on aisleway and and the yellow hardwood floor, like back in the days when I actually played a lot of WWE video games, 
and I would customize the hell out of them with like, like a bunch of like old characters and arenas and stuff. I, I would always have my own Boston Garden on there just for that purpose, along my own MSG and my own Tokyo Dome and just. I mean, if I could have Minion Nine on there, I I can have better arenas too. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's that's a good shout. Have you still got the game where you've made all the arenas? It had to be WWE 2K14, the one that had the 30 years of WrestleMania mode. Because right. it had, had like 100 safe slots for wrestlers. I mean, that game was just... I, I lost hours and days and weeks of my life playing that just out of boredom. It's a, I mean, the the one thing, with the exception of 2K20, which is a minefield, like I had a similar relationship with 2k19 that you had with 2k14 just because it's one mm. of those games that if you're bored you can just pick it up and play it i've always mm-hmm. quite enjoyed just picking it up and 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 having a go on it i had a, a great match while i was off on holiday between kyle o'reilly and brock lesnar on 2k19 that went about 35 minutes in real time it was excellent i didn't have much to do on my holiday how many finishers oh oh about 17 but only <laughs> but only one f5 but only one f5 I just avoided it a hundred times. Oh, you see, so you weren't playing as Brock? No, I was Kyle O'Reilly. Oh, come on, playing as Brock is fun. Oh, but I quite like playing as Kyle O'Reilly because every time they say his name, thanks. To, somebody mentioned it to me online, and every time they say Kyle O'Reilly, I now go auto parts, and that lives in my brain. And now anyone in America will laugh as well. People uh, say people say that Sub Zero is the greatest fighting game character ever. That's BS. Brock Lesnar on SmackDown, Here Comes the Pain. Oh. is the best fighting game character ever. Unstoppable. Unstoppable. He ripped, Gore, he he ripped Goro to smithereens. Oh, yeah. Just a beast. Again. I, I, was it on, on Here Comes the Pain where he had that one clothesline where you pressed down an X and he like <laughs> rolled his shoulders and then... Flipped you. And then just, boof, sent you mm-hmm. flying. That was a lovely mm-hmm. time. Eat shit, Automo Dragon. <laughs> The WWF Hall of Fame inductees for 1995 include the Grand Wizard, Antonio Rucker, the Fabulous Moolah, Polish Power Ivan Putski, George the Animal Steel, Pedro Morales, and Ernie Ladd. That's a nice lineup there for the Hall of Fame. Well, it is, but it also shows that this was the pre-let's sign people for action figure deals era of merchandising the Hall of Fame. I mean, are you, are you suggesting to me that if you walked into Walmart and you saw an Antonio Rocker action figure on the shelves, you wouldn't run up and buy 10? Uh, it's, I'm not really a figure guy, but in, in my day, it's I can imagine being an 11-year-old kid back then and being too excited about the Hall of Fame line. In, in all fairness. No, because I don't think we were conditioned. Because, I mean, this is the weird juxtaposition that WWE has in this particular era in 1995, where you've got these, you have these adverts going out recently, which is like, huh, look at the old stuff. It's all about the new stuff, new things, new generation. By the way, honor our legends. Which, which exactly. one are we doing, lads? Which one are we doing? Uh, I will say, though, there is kind of um, an unfortunate note here. One of the inductees that you mentioned will not be attending this ceremony for a very specific reason. I'm trying to think who would it be? The Grand Wizard? No. Oh. Well, he well, well he didn't because he because he, he died twelve years earlier. I was going to say I thought he might well, that that explain why he couldn't be there. I'm trying to think who wouldn't be there. One who was living that couldn't attend. Was it Big Cat Ernie Lad? Nope. You might have to tell me because I might just I'm I'm playing I'm playing guess who here and I feel like I'm offending people. <laughs> it's it's Pedro Morales. 
Oh, why isn't Pedro? Does he does he pass? No, he no he lives till 2019. But the reason why he didn't attend was because he was a Spanish language announcer for WCW at the time. Oh. And although apparently he could have attended, he was afraid of burning bridges. Fair enough. Well, that's mm. nice that WWF put him in the Hall of Fame, even though he was working for WCW at the time. I think they're trying to lure him back. Uh, WCW, on that note, uh, had uh, there's been some moving and some shaking within that company. Uh, Steve Austin has had a meeting with Eric Bischoff. It looks like all their issues have been worked out. Austin uh, uh, says... He'll be there for years. Is, it's all fine. It's all fine. Uh, Dave Meltzer says, Austin was pretty well forced because everything else would have killed Ric Flair's authority as Booker to do the job for Renegade at the TV tapings on the 10th of May at Centre Stage and do another in two minutes for Randy Savage on the 11th of May in the US tournament. There was a lot of talk uh, that in exchange they would reform the Hollywood Blondes with a push, but that hasn't happened yet. No, I'm, I'm sure it will happen at some point. We'll have the Hollywood Blondes again, and all will be well. Agatha wink to the camera. Mm. Now, I want to mention this. Uh, there's two other things I want to get to. This is the penultimate one. Uh, Gary Capetta is done with WCW mm-hmm. as of the 11th of May uh, as a part of budget cuts. So Gary Capetta was the... Quite an iconic announcer for WCW. Like his great voice announcer. very much is part of history. With WCW. Ladies and gentlemen, the hey. following contest. Yoshi Kwan. I don't know why him saying Yoshi Kwan is something that stays in my head. But get this, Justin. Right. Mm-hmm. He was let go because they were trying to save some money within WCW. According to Dave... Capetta had been earning in excess of $100,000 as a full-time announcer. Not a bad gig if you can get it. Yeah, I know, right? hundred grand in the mid-90s. Adjust for inflation. Hang on. Adjust for inflation. Uh, inflation calculator. So, in $100,000... Yes, I recommend cookies. $100,000 in 1995. I'm putting it through my inflation calculator here. In 2021, in 2020, right? That's like, okay, that's nearly $200,000 adjusted to inflation. That is a ridiculous amount of money. I'm not saying he he's not worth it, L'Oreal, but it's a lot of money for a rig announcer. Well, I mean, uh, you compare it to who came after him, and if it's budget cuts, then... I hope the guy after him got paid less because Dave Penzer was no Gary Michael Capetta. Penzer, bless him. He Penzer was... couldn't even say the weights. He, he couldn't be bothered. Now, it was Penzer who was there right up until the end with WCW, wasn't it? <clears throat> yes. So it was because my memory of, of the announcing in the last year of WCW isn't so much saying names. It's just noise. It's just in the background of some generic music, just hearing someone going, <laughs> that's actually accurate that's all it was it, oh his sting <laughs> Lex Luger <clears throat> <clears throat> it's all it was under he's grand like Mr. <laughs> he's like an inaudible Mr. Hanky <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I was, sorry I was just saying chronic <laughs> 
<laughs> Final bit of WCW news before we get into uh, the Raw review for this week. Uh, it's some storyline news, and oh mate, this is this is ace. This is ace. Hulk Hogan has himself a feud for for a big chunk of the rest of this year. From Dave. Kevin Sullivan will be the top heel manager feuding with Hulk Hogan as a leader of a stable called the Dungeon of Doom. Yes! 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 He'll manage Kamala, John Avalanche Tenter, who will return with a new name and gimmick, and Paul the Giant White, the 7-2 guy, who will be pushed as a new Andre the Giant, feuding with Hogan later this year. Oh, mate, the Dungeon of Doom! I'm so happy. I know, I'm I'm excited. (laughs) There's a collection of atrocities. It is the foundation in which wrestle crap is built. Pretty much, this was the um, this was the Mount Vesuvius of wrestle crap. It just lava and ash were just spilled everywhere, and everything was everything was crystallized at that point. I just it is there is so many moments, and I'm gonna be keeping from here on in. I'm gonna be keeping a very close eye on WCW Saturday Night um, because I. Don't want to miss any key moments in the in the timeline of Hogan versus the Dungeon of Doom. I want to make sure that we hit the note on that week where Hogan visits the Dungeon of Doom's cave. It's not hot. It's not hot. <laughs> Puts his hand. In... Because <laughs> that's everyone's reaction <laughs> when you have cold water it's not yeah. hot who read the, the, the question one take hawk <laughs> i would love to ask him i'd love to ask hogan hogan right well well brother i just auditioned to be the bass player for mega death <laughs> when uh i was asked to do this vignette and they and, and said hulk i mean you can do something like this brother <laughs> It's not hot. <laughs> seek it out. If you want to get ahead of us, seek it out. It's not hot. What a boy. Legendary. Legendary. I hope we can tell some stories about King Curtis. <gasps> yeah. Now that was, yes, he was the, he was the, the, the taskmaster. The master. No, 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 the master. He was the grandmaster. He was the master, wasn't he? Because Sullivan was yes, the taskmaster. He was the one that, <laughs> Sullivan, my son. As this God, Kevin boy. Sullivan ran through the woods. <laughs> like Forrest Gump. <laughs> Oh my god, it's so good! It's all so good! Well, apparently, if you believe Tony Schiavone and Ed Leslie, Which King Curtis, who played the master, would carry carry this psychedelic cookie around with him. Then, <laughs> then when you licked it, it would give you hallucinations. Schiavone <laughs> <laughs> mentions it all the time on what happened, what happened when, when they do, whenever he comes up. And Beefcake talked the story about it in one of his book in his book. <laughs> which is like so like he was just sat there during these <laughs> during these segments he was having a great time <laughs> he was just cocked out there going sullivan the stars are aligned hogan's monster truck <laughs> folks tom here is, is so excited for the dungeon that he came he can't even express properly <laughs> his jubilation at the idea of doing this. Oh, right. <laughs> wrestling is wrestling is the best when it is bollocks. 
And is, nothing's come close. If I was doing Saturday Night Graded at this point, it'd at least get an A. Or maybe a C plus like WrestleMania 3 did. See, see <laughs> what you got to understand is Dungeons Demons like Retribution, but fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Mm-hmm. It, it came with that same energy. But mm-hmm. the, the, the difference being, it was a different time and... We all knew it was crap, and all the people involved knew it was crap, <laughs> and they just went with it. <laughs> it did lead to the greatest Scott Keep joke ever when the dungeon came together with the Horsemen to form the Alliance to end Hulkamania, which backwards is which which is the, the reverse of heat. <laughs> <laughs> so they literally couldn't get heat if they spelled it. Oh, <laughs> when did we get to the friggin' um, Doomsday Cage match? The- Oh God! I didn't even thought. <laughs> I never even thought of that. The PA state resistance. Arn <laughs> Anderson and his sweatpants. <laughs> I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> he lit at nothing. Oh God, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Oh, Tom God. is inaudible. We've got to do something special. We've got to do something special for that. I don't know what. We've got to do something special. Anyway, let's focus on this. We've got to stop having fun. Oh, God. We've got... no, no, let's have fun. No, we put this off for half an hour, mate. We've got to get to the... <laughs> got to oh, get Jesus. To this one. It, is, it is time to look back on this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. Justin Henry will guide us through uh, a night at the wrestling. Well, let me just say, first of all, that this may have been the worst post-pay-per-view card I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it, it's up there, isn't it? It's up there. It's... This is so warmed up, warmed up nonsense. I'd rather watch a bridge collapse. <laughs> so we, so we start out with this shadowy interviews between IRS and Bigelow. I'd rather watch a bridge collapse. <laughs> At least something's happening. As long as everyone's all right. <laughs> well, I don't know about well, that. Well, <laughs> you can you can take or leave if they're all right. A, a, a few screams of horror. It's like, well, it's better to watch a man's heart. <laughs> so, Sorry, so man, I, I interrupted you. <laughs> it's, okay, it's quite all right. We have Iris and Bigelow doing the shadowy interviews where they stare off camera like they're doing um and a um uh, 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 um um some sort of savings and loan ad in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> so IRS gets in the line and I swear this is a thing he said I'm going to put a lien on your tattoos <laughs> now that would imply that he gains ownership of them until he's until a debt is fulfilled so did Bigelow finance his tattoos like, three more payments and this son of a bitch is mine I'm pointing to his forearm so does he rip his skin off during this match <laughs> he just with a cheese grater oh gosh oh and then big i'm so good no don't go on i'll just carry on the big love vows run through the corporation like scott pilgrim style (laughs) which i like i like that story in in Mm -hmm. the premise of it which is bigelow beating every member of the million dollar corporation one by one by one i like that as a thing but the problem is he has to wrestle them that is the problem that is the only downside. I mean, nothing against Bigelow, but I mean, everybody else, it's just... Uh... If they could... And, and the problem is, and I've realised this when I've listened back to a few of the shows that we've done, Justin, my answer to a lot of the issues with the talent is just make the matches short and sweet. 
short and painless. But then I realized you can't do that because all your wrestlers, with the exception of a of a handful, are bad. So you 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 can't have like a you can't have a three match card with two minutes worth of match. I mean you can, but you've got to fill it out in some way. And how else to do it? Bad promos? I don't know. But because um, I would have just had Bigelow just just mow through them like 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 a knife through butter. On this show right here, we have we have a ton of filler, as we will soon see. Mm, there's a lot of filler, a lot of filler. Yes. We open up with uh, Vincent Lawler at ringside. Lawler, of course, is jubilant because he beat Brett the night before. And uh, on Mother's Day, and uh, and Brett dedicated the match to his mother, Mom Helen, and Lola dedicated the match to his his mother, who I think was Candace Michelle. There's no way to know for sure. It was. Um, we never found out who she actually was, did we? Probably some local model, I would imagine. More than uh, I will say this: she was actually into it. Oh yeah, she was great. She was really good. Yeah, she was. She was actually like like in yeah, like opportunely into into things and put the camera on her and there she was going nuts and she wasn't some cardboard cutout like Pamela Anderson was at WrestleMania just clapping and looking down and just like, like she was actually involved which is good she threw herself into it and I applaud that Lola gives us this great victorious douchebag speech it's as, as only Jerry Lola can do it was magnifique he was very good actually Lola was great here Throughout the night, I thought Lawler I was good fun. Lawler was the MVP of this show. That's a, that's a, that's sad. Clearly, true. yeah. We open up with Yokozuna and Owen Hart versus Bill Weaver and Nick Officer Barbary. <laughs> There's a call see Officer Barbary back in it. I was I was uh, glad to see uh, him back. Hello, children. I think I'm getting a tag team title match. <laughs> <laughs> I think the book depository would be a good bet. Christ, it could be anywhere. <laughs> and the problem is, I looked at um, his tag team partner, and and I went Bill, we- Bill Weaver, and I went, oh, is it? it it's surely not the guy that sang "Lovely Day" and "Ain't No Sunshine." And I realised, no, that's Bill Withers. I was about to say, how dare you? <laughs> First of all, there's, there's a lot of difference between between Bill Weaver and Bill Withers. <laughs> I don't think Bill Weaver sang a "Lean on Me" either. <laughs> <laughs> and he might he, he might have done to Dick Barbary. <laughs> Wait on me. <laughs> Wait on us, How'd you turn a duck into a singer? How? You put it in the microphone and you put it in the microwave until it's Bill Withers. <laughs> ah, I get it. It's a wordplay joke. It's well, well you see what it is. <laughs> Well, it uses wordplay, <laughs> and um, it involves a lot of subtlety. You know who didn't get subtlety was um, was the original Tiger Mask. He would um, anyway. <laughs> Enough distractions. Let's uh, just soldier forth. Now, Yoko for this match. Now, I know from watching the documentary recently that he's in. A, he's not in the best of ways at the moment. Mm. He looks especially knackered tonight. Mm. Um, Owen's in there a lot more than he is, and it's for the, the understandable reasons. But even before the match starts, like he he he's listless as he walks to the ring. He's he's not like stood next to Owen and sort of doing any heel mannerisms. He's literally just leaning on the ropes. And at one point, I swear, as he's walking towards the ropes, he has a little coughing fit and leans against them. Like he's not in a great way. 
I don't really notice, to be honest with you, but I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, it's it's a, it's it's not a good night for Yoko. Get a good line from Lawler as we learned that Brett isn't even at the arena tonight because he's disconsolate over what happened the night before. Lawler talked about how Helen was already the celebration. She had already ordered the martini with a prune in it. <laughs> that was a good fit, that was. That was. <laughs> Lawler could always dunk on the Hart family. He, he was the master. Well, him and him and Heenan were the masters of that. <laughs> Yoko clotheslines the jobbers down. Then Owen comes in. Owen takes Bill Weaver, who Yoko has already waylaid. He hits him up, gives him like this little love tap. He falls. So Weaver falls down, down on the merit of what Yoko had already done to him. Then Owen suffered as, as as if he was the one who who uh, had just annihilated them. That was great. We yeah, that was. Uh, they bounce around a fair bit. These lads do. We learn on commentary that the Allied Powers are mentioned as contenders. The Guns want to rematch. It's almost like we have a tag team division here. It feels like there is something bubbling. I was almost. I was curious as to because um, because obviously they said all oh, Allied Powers teaming up. I was like okay, and then I read the results for the Boston Garden. So I was like, oh no, Luger there. That's interesting. Might have just been a scheduling thing, I presume. But I'm I'm, I'm sure he's with the company for life. A night to remember. <laughs> I forgot. Late in the match, the jobbers take over a little bit on Owen. Uh, a lot of uh, whips in the ropes, a lot of uh, arm drags. He gets, he gets worked over a bit. Then Yoko comes in, takes Bill Weaver, and hits the rock bottom or the Yoko Nagi. <laughs> yes. Now that's and a that's good the finish. Pin. That's a good finish, actually, because if Yoko is, is as cream cracker as he looks at this point, he looks in a bad way. And if even like getting up to the bonsai drop is going to cause some some discomfort. That's not a bad finish. It's low impact. It looks impressive. You get away with that. And that was enough to finish off Bill Weaver. Of course, of course that move stayed in the family. It certainly did. It certainly mm. did. Because heirloom does it. <laughs> it is an heirloom, isn't it? I give you yeah. this, my son. Was 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 he one of the first ones to pull out the Uranagi? Like, what's the origin of that? I'm, I'm not really sure. I mean, it has to be some sort of like takedown move. I'm not sure what martial art originally but it is it's pretty simple just grab the guy use your hip to maneuver him up and slam him down it's got to be just a simple suplex takedown type move i'm yeah. not sure where it spawned from because yeah it's just yeah it's kind of got that martial arts style because originally as you say like you bring your knee out to pull the guy mm -hmm. down so you'd use the mm -hmm. momentum against him which makes it even funnier when you see how far removed from it we got like when you compare what the original sort of Uranagi looked like to the one that the rock is pulling out where like he's on one leg half up in the air. It's like playing heavy rain with 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 the emotions turned up to 500 percent where all the mouths are moving massively. Like it's so far <laughs> removed from what a Uranagi should be. But we love it all the same. It's like, wow, Rock got that guy to jump with him. That's amazing. <laughs> Somehow he jumped higher than the rock whilst <laughs> the rock stood on one foot. It's like the hip toss. <laughs> Where all, all, all you see now is just a guy you put his arm in, in the, you know, it's great find the other dude's arm and flip them. You're supposed to put your hip into their abdomen, then lift them a little bit so that they fly over. No, it's just, your leg is like a fulcrum. Just the rock carry as, as opposed it's to a hip toss. It's not even a toss. It's a, it's an up. It's a up. It's not even the hip. It's a rock up. <laughs> it's a rock bottom. Well, after, well, after the match, Lawler goes into a little joke here. We're trying to talk about. You know, the, the prior angle where Bret Hart was prejudiced, allegedly, against the Japanese. It was an unfounded accusation. 
And Laura talks about how when he goes to a car dealership, he always asks for a Japanese car, like a Toyota or, uh, you know, a Japanese car. You're going to get one out. That's all he could think of was the one. You've only got one car. <laughs> I know. it's. Uh, I mean, come on. It's Mitsubishi, Subaru, Mazda. It's, I got at least I got three there. And Jerry couldn't. Jerry barely pulled out one. <laughs> but I love how the angle is that, like, I'm not prejudiced because I know all the brands. I know Toyota. I know. You're in the headlights there. You know, Japanese cars. He can be subtle at the comedy, can Lola. Like when he's when he's on, he's very good. Like I'll, I'll, I'll I think as time goes on, I'll have no doubt reservations about some of the stuff that he does. But when he's on, like oh, like. Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, when when they're both on and when they're both invested, they're still good. But it's mm. just hard to get them both on and invested in 2021. We then get the real highlight of the show, which is Owen putting both belts over both shores and then stepping over Bill Weaver's body in order to keep <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> Owen just beautifully subtle with stuff like that. Owen worked hard tonight. <laughs> uh, Owen was born to be a douchebag. Mm. But it's a weird one because like this team... I, th- and I think I think I noticed it tonight again because I just noticed that Yokozuna just seemed very distant from everything. Like he was very much going through the motions. Like it didn't they didn't gel as well as they had done as a team. Like they were they're an odd couple team as it is. But like it felt like Owen was very much just going out there to work the match, and Yoko was just focusing on putting one foot in front of the other tonight. Yeah. That's what it felt like. And they teamed together for a while after this, and it will lead the Yoko's eventual face turn, which. In turn, leads to the end of his time in the company. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a weird, and it's a weird way to go out. But we'll talk about that next year. We'll get to it. We get some stills of Lawler and Brett from the night before. They love their still photographs. You gotta buy the, to buy the replay. You to see them moving. That's right. We get, I had to know here that the graphic for Bigelow IRS for like Stolacom IRS appears to have gotten grapefruit juice in his eye because like one eye is like mostly shut. I didn't notice that. <laughs> it brought me joy to see it, though. I'm gonna look at. I'm gonna look at. You're looking it up now. I'm, I might be looking it up. Versus IRS. I bet if I type it into Google, I bet somebody's clipped off the actual match graphic. In the meantime, I'm, I'm, I'll jump ahead here. <laughs> yes. We'll do the. Um, <clears throat> we get this horrible commercial that we saw at the end of In Your House, and they replayed oh, during Raw. The alien of one. two is a, a of two stereotypical aliens. Aboard a ship, talk about how Earth is is, is this festering asshole. Well, they all say those words, which would have been great to hear an alien speak. It is not festering, you know. But uh, but then they see the WWF and his side. They decide against annihilating the Earth in favor because the WWF has inspired them so much. The like, we'll just move on for the time being. Come back later on, see how things are. Is is WWF? Who knows? Maybe we're saving the world. Which is their way of saying, you have to let us live because we could be helping somebody out there. Actually, I'm glad that they briefly dipped in and dipped out when they did because Barry Dodinsky's on later on. And I feel like if they if they looked in on us 20 minutes later, we might not be here. <laughs> That's true. Um, Put the dud in Dodinsky. Hey, that's a stupid advert, though, isn't it? Like that's that's. I mean, at this point, I'm so numb to those adverts, to those WWF unbelievable adverts, because mm-hmm. they are just. Let's just make any old shite 
And we don't really need to proofread it. Let's just make it dead quick. And it'll be fine. And let's make it as... And I, there is something to be said for making it so it it doesn't essentially look like a wrestling advert until much mm. later into the advert, which is the only thing I can think of, is that right. there are adverts that don't look like wrestling adverts. So if somebody's channel hopping and they see aliens and shots of like the world being awful, it might draw them in. But then when they go, oh, it's the, oh, thanks. Hey, look, there's the wrestling. It might, maybe that, when they have shots in the church of some of a woman going, oh, father, I've sinned and all this. That's maybe the thinking. They want to make wrestling adverts that don't look like wrestling adverts. And that's well, Vince's MO anyway. Vince hates wrestling. So mm-hmm. let's make stuff that doesn't look like wrestling. Well, my issue with it is you mentioned the unbelievable ads. At least those were irreverent and silly. Like Yoko has Godzilla. Or the guy trying to pick up women dressed as the wrestlers, but then she falls for the real Randy Savage. Like at least those were, you know, they were fun, they were goofy, but they were ultimately harmless. Mm. You look at these ads, like this one here, and the one with the um, aristocrats sitting around the table, they treat them as though it were opera. Like those ones have a lot more of um, how should I phrase this? An insecurity around them. Yeah. We have to class ourselves up to let you know how great we are. We saved the world just by existing. Like the upper crust of society thinks we're great. Like there's no goofiness to them at all. It's it's, it's almost just like we're so highfalutin that we have to use these ads to show you how highfalutin we are. There is something that the WWE has done since time memoriam, and it's kind of when they're riding high, they just kind of go, yeah, whatever. When they're when they're low, they mm-hmm. are shouting from the rooftops how brilliant they are. Mm-hmm. Like the longest running weekly episodic television is like we are number one searched on this. Da, da, da. And like they really ramp it up when they, mm-hmm. when time and and you see it you see it in this in shows like this where they they present IRS and Bam Bam Bigelow as like this is the biggest match you'll see anywhere ever and it's like okay, but they they really they, they emphasize how brilliant they are when they're less brilliant. Yeah, and, and it's painfully evident when you see an ad like this, like, who knows, maybe we're saving the world. Just... <laughs> yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. No. <laughs> That's because I'm so tuned out. I mean, it's, it's not, it's, it's harmless ultimately, but yeah, it, 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 it just comes off like, mm, someone's not happy with how they're size and shape in a certain area. <laughs> but fear not, because the, after Owen Hart stepped over Bill Weaver, we have the best part of the show right now. It is Man Mountain Rock versus my friend and yours. Yeah. One of the true all-time greats in professional wrestling, Iron Mike Sharp. Man Mountain Sharp. <laughs> Canada's greatest athlete, Iron Mike Sharp, <laughs> and the world's largest and the world's loudest enhancement talent. They, they we did a bit in the news uh, this week about leg slap gate in WWE and like why <laughs> after all this time, like the the slapping of the legs is becoming such an issue. And I, and I said in the video, I said, well, because bear in mind this has been going on for decades, but there's always been the sound of crowds. Now mm-hmm. there isn't. So like everything is is hyper is you know everything you're hypersensitive to everything there from then on in and it makes me think that I and Mike Sharp would have had a rough time in the Thunderdome, wouldn't he? Oh no, he would have compensated for the lack of noise. <laughs> he'd have, he'd have so, shattered several several monitors. You can only leg slap when you're working with Iron Mike Sharp because because he'll cover it up. <laughs> Which, by the way, Lex Lap should have been banned after the Alistair Black Lars Sullivan match. <laughs> there was a lot of that, wasn't there? Well, there was the one big one on, on Black Mass where Alistair Black missed by about seven feet. He slapped his leg anyway, and it was just. It made a lovely no. Like, that's what happens when you break the sound barrier, I thought. <laughs> Perhaps. So, Man Mount Rock plays himself, plays his theme song. He's it's got a better outfit now. Just letting his, he's not bringing his hair anymore. He's wearing a, like a shirt with the pants rather than the full body suit. And then I, one of the weirdest parts of this, Lawler buries Man Mountain Rock's play. He says Jimmy Hendrix is turning over in his grave. And Vince laughs. Vince. He's supposed to be appalled at the idea that the babyface is being ribbed on here. And then Lawler says, "Man, Mount Rock needs to see Jenny Craig." And Vince laughs again. Well, I think what we what we we said this in a previous episode, Justin, you and I, is that we don't know how much Vince is actually paying attention because he's trying to run the show at the same time. So I think mm-hmm. he's just like reacting to whatever, just whatever, whatever Jerry Lawler said, just going ah, yeah. ha, ha, ha. or sometimes where you'll go, ah, oh, well, uh, I don't know anything about that. Like, well, who maybe- knows, Tom? Maybe he's saving the world. <laughs> maybe- <laughs> Maybe, do you know what? Maybe he is. I don't think he is. But I think maybe that's what it is, is that he's he's distracted and he's just keeping the flow going. Or maybe Vince hates Man Mountain Rock. <laughs> maybe he's, maybe he's, he's bought the toy and gone, thanks, I hate it. I don't want it anymore. Put it in the bin. I'm kind of leaning toward that one, actually. Mm. Uh, God, I miss Sharp's grunting as he does it here. Oh. <laughs> He'd be a great, he'd be a great baddie for a video game. <laughs> On the third grunt, you can attack him. <laughs> Sounds like a garbage disposal. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a very simple 90 second match. Sharp hits the corner. 
Mamarak pulls him down into the Painkiller, which is a Fujiwara armbar, which is which is what it was called in WCW when he was Max Payne. But they still call it the Painkiller. You know he's Man Mountain Rock now. I, as a, somebody who wasn't massively familiar with Max Payne's work in WCW, and still mm. learning, as we've said many times on this podcast, still kind of learning the new generation era, because it was an era that I was mm. a lapsed fan of. Why is a guy... The the size and the, the the width and the girth of a man mountain rock. Why is he busting out a Fujiwara armbar as a finish? Well, he was an amateur wrestler in his day, so he does know like the the ground game, and they did emphasize that mm. in an earlier match of his here that he does have a cultured wrestling background. Fair enough. It just didn't seem to it just didn't seem to fit for me. Like to the point where I was watching it, going, "Why is he doing that move?" And I, to the to the point where my brain went, "Well, he plays guitar." So maybe the arm bar is like treating the hat, the arm like the, like the. Funny you mention that, Tom, because eventually they do change the name of the move to something more appropriate to his gimmick here. And I will, I'll give credit where it's due. It's actually visually it makes sense. They start calling it the whammy bar. Right there, you that, go. That little thing at the bottom, at the bottom of the guitar that you play, and it sort of distorts the sound. Mm. You can kind of pluck it a bit upwards. The whammy bar. So, so it does fit the way a Fujiwara armbar looks in theory. And of course, Man Mountain Rock applies it here, and Sharp goes up pretty quickly. Man Mountain Rock is your winner, to no one's surprise. Uh, USA movie tonight is Indiana Jones: The Temple of Doom. By the way, good movie. Good movie. That was just a little nod they just chucked in there. I thought, and uh, yeah, okay, that makes more sense with the armbar. I just, I was a bit like, could you not do something a bit more impactful? But I get it. I get it. It stands out. It stands out. And the fact they call it a whammy bar, I love. Mm. We get footage of that kid getting the house at in your house, or the, of the phone call being made, and they play the whole thing, including the part where Todd has to redial. Because we're just filling. I didn't notice this first time round when we watched it, but they zoom in on the phone when he's dialing the number. Is that not like a a a, a, a private information issue to have basically your phone number shown on television? Like, I, I guess it wasn't so much as an issue in the, in the mid nineties because you couldn't really pause live telly or whatever, but. It's just interesting that you could, you probably could, if you were careful and you were diligent, you could probably figure out what that kid's number was. That's a little creepy, but mm. maybe it had something to do with them trying to prove that it wasn't a fraud or something. Yeah, possibly. Maybe proving that it was. Yeah, there might be something to that. Um, it's it's after it's after this bit of footage that Vince says only in America, like he's friggin' Don King. Because <laughs> no one's ever won a house anywhere else. <laughs> no, but the Vince Don King comparisons are pretty good if you think about them. Yeah, both um, both ridiculous sports promoters. <laughs> both with uncharacteristic high high volumes of hair, <laughs> and both work Mike Tyson. We get the um, we get the stills of Razor Jarrett Rody from in your house, <clears throat> and then in in a weird bit. They show Rhodey's chop block on Razor, but they show a distant shot with a spot shadow over Rhodey. Like it's a like it's a freaking Zapruder footage. <laughs> like he was like, hey, we spotted something. You're not gonna believe what we saw. A blatant run in. Here you see on the grassy knoll, 
Brad Armstrong's youngest brother <laughs> get ready to throw a shoulder at Scott Hall's leg. On the grassy doll, we see Sid running through the fireworks. Can Kevin Costner solve this mystery? <laughs> Back and to the left. <laughs> so then we get Savio's run in with also a spot shadow over the main photo. So we know who we're supposed to be looking at. Boy, they think this audience is stupid, man. I don't, know, I, don't know, I don't know if they're entirely wrong. <laughs> That's just... Yeah, I didn't get the spot stuff. Like, is it just maybe just... Again, it all goes down to everything they're trying to do to make it look bigger than it is. That's that's their that's their MO with everything. Trying to make it look bigger than it actually is. Um, you know that mode of Doom where you can just play with it without the enemies you just go from start to finish, finish just walking through the stage? Yes. That That's Raw explaining things to you. <clears throat> <laughs> you don't have to think. We'll just tell you everything. We'll just get, put all the thoughts in your head for you. You lucky devils. Savio cuts a promo. A lot of it is in Spanish, and Vincent Lawler can't really understand him. He does establish that Razor is his friend, and he just keeps on going, keeps on going. Then Vince cuts him off and segues in the commercial. That didn't go well. No, that didn't. I I didn't get. Here is our top new baby face from that. No, which I think they were hoping for. I mean, it's, it's the Savio Vega character. It's it's like a, a an updated a re up of the Caribbean kid, isn't it? Which is his gimmick from CMLL. I want to say. Well, he was TNT in Puerto Rico. I might be thinking that t- I thought he was the Caribbean kid. I might be going well, even further is- back though. Well, they're trying to establish him as Razor Ramon's new best friend, mm. and someone that has known Razor for years, and and. and, and and the idea is, is, is that you know he, he won't put he won't put up any disrespect toward Razor from Jarrett and Rhodey. He's here to watch Razor's back. But the promo is just so poorly done, and it's just, and Vince and Lawler are trying. Like I don't know how how Savio was directed to do this, but they did not hit the points they were supposed to hit. Other than Savio emphasizing three times, I am friends of Razor Ramon, and and he and he and then he goes off on a tangent, and they just cut him off. They could have guided this much better. Yeah, absolutely. Much, much better. Especially since Savio in a month's time is going to be in a rather plum spot. Yeah, this is, this is it. This is how they're introducing the new guy. And I, I get you want to bring him in, connect him with Razor, but then you kind of got to break them off in a decent chat, a decent opportunity, and then build him. And you had a great chance to build him as a, as a solo guy, but it got a bit lost on me. Yeah, it's Hazards of Live TV, I guess. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Hazards of Live TV, here's Mantar. <laughs> Mantar versus Bob Holly in a King of the Ring qualifier. Mantar the King, all hail the King. <laughs> so I, I did. I did write for just to remind myself. This is a qualifier, in case, just in case I I needed to believe it. <laughs> so here we see Barry Dadinsky. Oh, here he is. The mayor of merchandise, <laughs> as he calls himself. It's it's <laughs> something when you give yourself a nickname. If yeah. Matt Jackson is Merch Freak or Nick Jackson is Merch Freak, then this is Merch Geek. <laughs> He's selling us the most basic white diesel and Sid in your house t-shirt imaginable. It's, it's, let me tell you something. I once, as a fan, as, as a fan of... Uh, 
with the Philadelphia 76ers. I once bought a shirt that, that depicts former general manager Sam Hankey, who basically tanked the entire team for better draft picks. And the team ever since then has been remolded into a great team on the merit of the picks that he garnered by tanking the team. And it's a shirt that has a drawing of him and it just says, Hinky died for our sins. <laughs> it is a dumb shirt, but I, the, 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 I willfully spent $20 on. And, and consider how dumb it is to, to have bought that shirt. I would never buy this Diesel Sid shirt. <laughs> that is how bad that shirt is. Even with your bad rep, this one you're not having. But it's only available oh, tonight, Justin. It's only available tonight. <laughs> what was it that Homer then they're gonna burn time? them all <laughs> what was it that Homer ordered when he saw it on TV like oh my god do you have any more oh yeah they're flying like hotcakes the, the big storage room they're all just sitting there untouched <laughs> that's basically what's happening <laughs> <laughs> you're lucky you got them there's, there's only so few left <laughs> John can you mash up that bit of Homer on the phone going do you have any more with a clip of Dodinsky <laughs> <laughs> Poor Homer. <laughs> Homer. Homer and the Diesel sit in your house shirt. There must be someone on planet Earth, and they might just listen to this podcast that bought that t shirt. Chat mm. me up. What do you want to know about the shirt? <laughs> I knew Conrad would have one. It's just behind his, it's just behind his AWA replica. I have it up in my attic next to the spot where that six man tag belt's gonna go when freaking Shaman gets off his ass and gets it out of his attic for me. <laughs> I love you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to a lot of Conrad during my two weeks off, and uh, I've decided my favorite ones are um, I'm not gonna tier list them all, but my favorite ones are definitely Bruce Pritchard and Eric Bischoff. Like Bischoff, Bischoff seems to have such a lovely existence at the moment. Like every podcast will start with him going, "Hey, Connie, yeah, I'm doing cool. We're up in the in the in the in the mountains right now. Just put some cool beef on the brisket on the barbecue. Gonna have a bourbon. It's gonna be a good time." And then, like an hour later, it's fuck Meltzer, fuck you, piece of shit. <laughs> and that's the that's the podcast, and I love it for it. Seriously. So so wait, how is what happened when not your favorite? <laughs> I don't think I've given it enough of my time, but I just always enjoy Bishop, and I and I enjoy the Bruce one because God love Bruce, right? Whether you love him or hate him, that man is knackered. Like I, compared to this, like my, I look like a work shy scumbag compared to the schedule that Bruce seems to be running at the moment. And it's just the fact that you'll get some episodes where it's clearly like half three in the morning. Bruce got in from work like two hours prior. He's had like half he's had like half a, a Jack Daniels and he's gone into his office and slumped there and he's just gone, let's just let's just get on with it. <laughs> let's talk about nails for two hours. And, it's, and, I, and, I, and I love the commitment because, because even though, because I would struggle as a host of that because I'd feel so bad. Like, if me and you ever did a if me and you did a podcast one day and and you were like I don't feel very well today I'd say hey look don't stress no one dies we'll we'll mm. catch up in a couple of days it's it's not the end of the world whereas I feel like with Cody because he's like look man we've got sponsors like what time do you get in I get in, I'll be getting in at half midnight okay can you do the show at two a.m. 
And like, and Connie's a bit of, and he'll push him. Like he's knackered and, and Connie would be going, I'm just going to push you for an answer on this. Like he'll, he'll drag a show out of him, kicking and screaming. Like, and, and I hope Conrad gets enough love for that. Like when, like he brings that out of him. And his big vault full of money. And that big vault full of money, obviously. Sure, uh, Mike, you could use a six-man tag belt, though, Tony, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's just shit to people, and I like it. <laughs> but Conrad and Tony are the best combo, because you're just watching old WCW events while they make thick jokes. <laughs> and inside jokes that are they're funny, even if you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, that's what this has become, to an extent. Less dick jokes, but more like we are... I think people and and Matthew and I talked about this because because obviously what we do on the SmackDown review, Matthew's just like, do people get annoyed that we don't talk about SmackDown enough? And I said, Nah, me and Justin barely talk about Raw. Um, it's the it's the backdrop, but it's everything else, and it's just the and they've reached a point like I think we have where it's just I think a lot of people don't come here for in depth analysis on what happened on Raw. They They're don't. Just, no. And I'm glad of it because they wouldn't get their money's worth. They just they just come along to see the stupid bollocks that you and I are going to talk about <laughs> this week. The stuff we're going to get John Eiley to do. God love the man, and, yeah. and and all in between. And then oh, by the way, I guess there's there's a there's a mild backdrop that there's a wrestling podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I've been trying hard for nothing. <laughs> well, let's. Let's, let's keep walking some through, wrestling. Let's keep walking through unforgiving nature here. Mantar and Holly. We, we barely get through that shirt without segueing six times. <laughs> I did call the shirt basic pile of shit in my notes here. <laughs> <laughs> you you dropped an R somewhere. <laughs> basic pile of shirt. <laughs> That's, uh... I kind of wish that they just cut out the front cover of the VHS tape and just and just stapled it onto a to a standard white t-shirt. <laughs> Scotch taped it on to a standard white t-shirt, and there's the Didsky going, "Get this before they run out." They're a limited edition. <laughs> Cuts a commentary where Vince is frantically Scotch taping more VHS tape covers to t-shirts. Here's the hat McKinley was shot in the Chicago, <laughs> Chicago Bull cap. <laughs> <laughs> has hucksterism gone too far i say it hasn't gone far enough <laughs> oh this company in 95 is ace oh it's it's so it's it's just like it's it's one lawsuit away from being a large indie like that's, that's why i love it at this point <laughs> It's like a tax shelter for something. I just don't know what yet. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Jack Tunney tax shelter. It's a front. This is like 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 Tunney's house, like like WWF Canada office. It's just a front. It's, it's just a, a wall that looks like a house, and behind it is just trees. <laughs> By the shirt, we're financing a death ray. <laughs> Scorpio. <laughs> So this match is um this match is not as good. Luke is leaving. Does Vince say, "Well, I'm really sad to see you go. If you can do me one favor, just pick up a gun and shoot some guys on your way out." <laughs> can I ever hit the targets? I don't know. 
<laughs> talk about Holly and Manta. That's why people are here. <laughs> that, that's right. It's, so Holly gets beaten down for a while. And a while. And a while. This match plods. Mantor is in complete control. We learned that Sean's facing Bundy in a qualifier next week. That's an interesting matchup. Ooh. Sean's comeback match. So how did Magic get a roll-up after Mantar misses a charge? Doesn't keep him down, though. Mantar's now doing the weeble-wobble thing where he won't fall down. Missile dropkick connects, gets two. Flying crossbody connects, that gets three. And a big organic pop from the crowd, to be fair. Oh, they were just happy Mantar didn't win. <laughs> they are just happy the match was done. So Bob Holly is now the king of the tournament with Mabel. Yes. It's one lawsuit away from being a large indie. <laughs> it is one lawsuit away from being a large indie. This is um, this is. I mean, and both guys are there in 2008, so this has to be a good show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> there is that. There is that. Uh, the right guy won. That's the loudest I've heard the crowd all night. Like they were dead during Man Mountain Rock and Man Mountain Sharp. Because they just they just don't know quality when they say it. Oh, where do you see this next segment? Oh, now he saves oh, the boy. he said he, does he save the day here? I think he saves the day here. No, he doesn't. Oh well, <laughs> I think we're gonna differ, mate. Uh, we'll see about this. So <laughs> after a Michael's Bundy promo for next week, we get the advertised announcement of one Mister Bob Backlund. Backlund at this point. Doesn't even get a proper intro for Vince's interview segment. He's already in the ring. He gets the jobber entrance for an interview. <laughs> That's where he's at now. He's not. I'm, so, I'm fine with that. They've they've got they've got a, a big main event to get to. They've got to shut the intro off. Oh um, yeah, it's so back on had an epiphany at WrestleMania 11, and it wasn't the show is crap. So back and goes on for a bit using all of his fifteen dollar words. And then Vince says, like, like, well, Bob, for the benefit of those who are living here on this planet, how about we... Like, even Vince is burying him openly. That was, was a funny line, I'll admit. <laughs> so, so back gives us a history lesson. Starts rattling off dates. Like, it gets a few wrong. In December of 1983, when JFK was assassinated. <laughs> He's off by about 20 years in a month. <laughs> Close enough. Did he say or, he got the Olympics wrong as well, didn't he? I think he did. A 1776, he said. <laughs> or in July of 2015, when Stephanie McMahon invented women's wrestling. <laughs> well, that one's accurate, at least. <laughs> that was on. That one's on brand. <laughs> so this goes on. He's firing off loads of dates, and he's getting flustered, yeah. and he keeps nah. having little moments to step away. I mean, we're making it sound like it was lickety split, but this was, um, he went on for like three minutes doing this. He's really, this is a fill if I've ever seen one. He is bloviating. He used one of his many words. So Backlund almost chokes on his words and he needs a breather. And the crowd is getting really restless now. Like, like even their openers like, like, just get on with it. So after a couple of stalls where he's, where, he, where he's coming to terms with what he's about to say, he finds this, I'm running for president. Of the United States of America. Yay! And out, and out comes some junior high marching band <laughs> carrying signs. 
And he gets Pyro. They're playing Guild of the Chief. Stunned. He throws a campaign button to Lawler, who proudly puts it on. <laughs> that went on for six minutes. Now, when I watched this Raw first time round, I was it was the end of a long it was the end of a long day, and uh, and I was watching it. I was sat on the sofa, and I'd nodded off during uh, <laughs> Holly and Mantar. You're kidding me. I know. And when I woke up, I saw a marching band and pyro. <laughs> and I hadn't realized how much time had passed. And I was just like, oh, I guess they're pushing Holly. And <laughs> how's the music? <laughs> so then having to watch it again. I I liked it. I thought Bob Backlund was, was wonderfully animated. I thought the announcement got a lovely reaction. Once they were like, once they got once they were they got to the point of it. And the marching band and Bob punching the air, handing out badges and flags. This is the start of a brilliant authority figure wrestling storyline. All right, slow down. Okay, grab the wall. <laughs> Are you telling me it's not? Mm, I'd say this thing meanders for a while like a cat lost in the desert. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, uh... It, it, it was a funny idea to keep back on relevant and have him do some comedy, but this thing just, yeah. This wasn't your finest uh, Bob Backlund segment. It's when you turn on Raw, you're like, oh my god, he's still a thing. <laughs> he ain't going nowhere. It's like when it's like watching a sport and you see somebody, a veteran player that you thought retired three years earlier, on another team late in his career with a different haircut. <laughs> like, why is he still going? That's how I feel about back on at this point. Uh, and that oh. promo that dragged on and dragged on and scuffed up everything is, uh, it didn't help. Fair enough. We agree to disagree. I quite liked it. And I'm sure when he becomes the, the, the president of the WWF, this will all be worth it. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, it'll, it'll have a great pay off. <laughs> it'll move me to a bigger house. <laughs> get some more in your house stills of Diesel and Sid as, as we set up, set up for IRS and Bigelow in the main event here we get footage from earlier today of DiBiase and IRS coming into the arena now when you're authorized personnel like these two are you, you come through like a main entrance you have your tags or you get validated or whatever you get some sort of credential they come in through some back hallway like they're terrorists. Can we take it over Nakatomi Plaza? Which is good because Tibiasi looks just like Hans Gruber now. <laughs> he does have the Gruber, as we discovered during the In Your House watch along. Uh, he he is he has got the Gruber about him. He's he's very Alan Rickman at the moment. It's Ted Tibiasi. <laughs> you know what this is? This is two kids sneaking into the theater to watch an R-rated movie. It did feel a bit seedy, like and. <laughs> With the million dollar corporation, like you should surely be investing in, in the presentation of that and have them arriving in style all the time. Because that's the whole issue here. That's that's the million dollar corporation versus Bigelow and Diesel thing. It's that it's, you know, Bigelow's been kicked out of this hoity toity, high high society, high uh, falutin group. And, the stone cutters. Yeah, you kicked. Yeah, exactly. But you but you just present them like you say. It's just like standard wrestlers. And the other thing about it, well, I, I say that, but I, but now I just realized, what if they don't want to show the front of the building? Because they're in the Broome County Arena. There must be a nice part of the building. 
Surely. <laughs> like a like a VIP suite or something. I don't know. I've never been to the Broom County. Sean coming out of their hotel earlier that day. We when um the there's, there's, there is there's a venue <laughs> that I that I work with at um the promotion in the northeast when when wrestling's on and i'm that's where i'm the manager of mickey the dragon and there is one room in this venue that looks particularly nice and it's so far removed from like where all the action is but i always insist on like if we're gonna film anything we're gonna film it there because it, we can easily film it in that room over there, but I, like this room actually looks really nice, and we always just tell people that it's the it's the dressing room. And I remember somebody after the show saying, "Hang on, why is because they because they they kind of somebody went around the building and saw this room and they went, hang on, so how is, why is it we've never seen you going from the dressing room to the ring?" And I had to sort of break the illusion of wrestling to them. And say, well, it's not where we get dressed. It's just the nicest room in the building. <laughs> just we just we just decorate it as such. Well, it is an important presentation. You want to give this, you know, grandiose feel that you're the top of your game, competing in in, in Indies, uh, you know, sort of um high class facilities. Yeah, exactly. Here it looks like they're coming to fix like the uh, circuit breaker. <laughs> They're sneaking into Funland, like in like in Beverly Hills Cop, Fun World, <laughs> like in Beverly Hills Cop Three. Well, the, well, this is no fun whatsoever, world. <laughs> no fun world. Well, and Iris gets in the line. Move out of the way before I audit you, which is actually a good threat. <laughs> also, yeah, it's a good yeah. That is a good threat from a, from a taxman. There's a um, Ted Ted DiBiase says, and I, and I and I get that. An element of it is it's just baddies being baddies. But he says, if it wasn't for Bigelow, Sid would be champ now. The match was a DQ, and and it was and Bigelow was nowhere near when the DQ went down. No, just saying. The, that is a man who doesn't even watch the matches that his people he's at ringside for, and I can't blame him. Mm. Could have been a better way to get to it. So we get Bigelow and IRS for your main event. Bigelow now has the crappy rendition of LT's theme as his theme, which does not fit him in the slightest. Is it like the fiend? The fiend like passes on something to each people when they when he beats them. So when LT beat <laughs> Bigelow, he passed on his theme music. It's <laughs> but the funny thing. Like if you heard the song, it's like it's like a sitcom song from the eighties. It does feel like. Something from a TV show. Dun, 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 dun. Like clap sounds in it. And it's just, he's, he's this badass biker with a tattooed head. They didn't give it much thought. And But this is the Jim Johnston era. And yeah. he's normally pretty on the money with this sort of thing. Like he, got well, the, I mean, he, he did the Bam Bam music, like the Bam Bam music. And that was great. Well, he created the song for somebody else and they just recycled it for, for him. That's not a Johnson problem. I think it's completely, Johnson should have insisted. <laughs> I'll write something from scratch. Do you remember Bigelow's music from the eighties? Oh, yeah, is it, it? That was like a Vegas game show type song. Yeah, well, the, the the one he came out to at WrestleMania four with Oliver Humperdinck, like which is, which is one of the best names ever. It's a great name, isn't it? It's a nice name to say. I mm. loved it if he came out to that. <laughs> oh, would have fit ninety five for sure. It would have just it would have stuck out like a sore thumb. But I mean, I'm down for it. What do you have in ECW? Welcome to the jungle. That fits Bam Bam. Could you have done? Could Johnson could have done a a, a copyright free uh, 
trade Mexican equivalent of Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> Union, Union <laughs> Mexican equivalent of Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> Enjoy your stay in the rainforest. <laughs> Enjoy your stay in the rainforest. We've got stuff to do. Greetings from the garden. Please <laughs> obey the rules. <laughs> well, Jimmy Hart did the version for Rick Steiner that time. Yes, he did. Oh, Joe, you know Jimmy Hart is brilliant at making copyright-free music. Welcome to the dog pound. Ooh, 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 ooh. Dun, 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 dun. It's exactly what it is. God bless you. God bless you, Jimmy. Make it. But well, Bigelow's music here. But I, but I liked his mm-hmm. jacket. That was cool. I like the the, the, mm-hmm. bit of the new attire, and I like how they made the ring explode when he got into the ring. Like, that was a, a deadly ring explosion. And if wrestling has taught me anything in 2021, that is definitely what it looks like when the ring explodes. <laughs> well, he does have the wristbands that shoot fire now. That's cool. Which, those are cool, at least. So, Bigler brings out Diesel to watch his back. Diesel chases DiBiase to the locker room. actually runs, which is fascinating. I got annoyed the fact that Diesel came out. Bam Bam Bigelow said, hey, I'll bring my mate out. Big Daddy Cool. Crowd go wild. Big pop for Diesel. Mm-hmm. Where's your belt? Good point. I, oh, I, he, I, can. He, can, he can put it on. He can have it over his shoulder. He can carry it with him. I don't like oh, seeing he, a champion without their belt. Oh, he can't kick ass if he's hindered by a valuable piece of gold. He could have done. Because all he's going to do is chase him away, wasn't he? For a little bit. What, the, what if the belt falls off? You scuff it up. Mm, I just think he should have had his belt with him. Yeah. <laughs> you, wear you it. Wear it like a belt. You and your aesthetic preferences. I, I know. I am an ass for this. I feel like if you're a champion, <laughs> you should always have the belt with you. It's that's why you can't see it, but like that's that's why this is here, just in case Pablo needs it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So DiBiase runs off. Iris tries to bail at one point. Diesel grabs him and takes care of that. Back from break, Iris is in control. Bigelow misses a top rope move. Iris goes, this is IRS. He's not doing anything above Mosey. <laughs> IRS does not get out of second gear on an episode of Monday Night Raw. Not even <laughs> if it's the main event. I think he has gears. I think he's like a push cart. <laughs> John, I want, I want a push cart with suspenders <laughs> and a necktie. Tag the Undertaker in it. <laughs> no <So>. context. <laughs> we finally get something that vaguely resembles exciting when Iris goes for a pin with his feet on the ropes and Diesel takes care of the cheating. <laughs> He's a tax cheat, damn it. Oh, the irony that he would be a cheater. Somehow Buckle gets the, is exposed. Like I don't remember how it happened. I think I blacked out at one point. Um, Iris ends up hitting the buckle. Bigelow hit the flying headbutt, and that's your pin. Bigelow looked like a real champ here. Oh wait, this is chump. My bad. Bigelow, who had to really like, <laughs> who survived IRS, didn't obliterate him. He survived him. You were the fr- underneath the guy who came in through the back entrance. <laughs> hey, that's I'll my tell you hero. What, lot of sweat in this match. Oh, what's IRS? What do you expect? Well, he's he was particularly sweaty boy, but then you had Big- Bigelow who was a sweaty boy. Diesel looked a little bit sweaty. Ted looked sweaty. Very sweaty night of the wrestling. <laughs> well, it must be hot in that arena. Plenty of sweat. Plenty of sweat. 
So after the match, Diesel and Bigler are celebrating. DiBiase walks out with Sid and Tatanka. Then we go to the break. <laughs> well, I'm definitely sticking around. Oh, I forgot to mention because I was trying to get through this awful part. That when DiBiase was in that back hallway, he proposed a King of the Ring main event of Diesel and Bigler versus Sid and Tatanka. <laughs> he did, didn't he? He said, hey, yes, you he guys did. make a good tag team. Well, I've got a good tag team. Sid no, Tatanka. Oh, no, well, okay, good joke, mate. Seriously, what's the name of your good tag team? Me and IRS. <laughs> Again, good joke. If the Steiner's coming back or... or... <laughs> well done. Good, I've got a good... T- <laughs> I've got to take them. I've got a good tag team. It's Sid and Tatanka. That's, that's, that sentence doesn't make any sense. That, that's, <laughs> no, is, is, that, is that in English, that sentence? I can't understand it. You, you said it three times now, Ted. I still don't get it. I still don't get what you're saying. I've got a tag. I've got a good tag team. It's, it's Sid and I, it's Sid and Tatanka. No, I can't. I can't understand. You lose me halfway through. You've got. A good if you tag try team. treating them, if you try treating them on Madden for like a seventh round pick, the computer will reject it for being too unrealistic. <laughs> Your Commodore explodes. <laughs> like my, like my try. We're not stupid. <laughs> and you have it set on dimwit level, and we still don't believe it. <laughs> You try and do it on Madden for the Mega Drive, and as you do it, just it's it pushes the pushing the Mega Drive cartridge capability. You just hear a bit crunched voice. <laughs> the fuck you doing? <laughs> that's, that's man, 80... talk to you. <laughs> hey, hey, let's keep it realistic here. Boom. Eighty percent of the cartridge is that soundbite. <laughs> so, Dibasi walks out with flying by Sid and Tatanka, and then we go to break. We come back and nothing has happened. <laughs> I'm so glad they waited for us to come back from break because they didn't want us to miss a second of the action. Sid does all fun stuff during the last commercial break. What do they Power do Bomb during Sean. the break? I think they play patty cake. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that must be the toughest thing for a wrestler to have to stand there during a break. Mm-hmm. And like... My bro- me and my brother used to always joke watching WCW with whenever Goldberg would enter and there'd be somebody in the ring talking smack about him and then Goldberg's music would hit and the wrestler would just be like exaggerating like, oh, what, what? Come on, come on, let's have you. And then you'd see Goldberg, door knock, comes out the door, walks down the car and the wrestler's still in the ring like bursting a blood vessel like, oh, no, he's coming out. Oh, no. Mate, you've- it's like the guy who got- gets run over by the steamroller in Austin Powers. Yes. You've got yes. ages. Get out of there. <laughs> he's not going to be here for another three minutes. He's still in a different postcode. You've got ages, yes. Yeah, it's... But no, we come back from in break the ring, and... all just going, "Oh no, oh no!" <laughs> like a force field is built around them, and they can't leave. So then they were Diesel and Bigelow ready to fight. Here comes the Tonka and Sid, and and they were raring to go. And then what happened? Well, then they left. Let <laughs> 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 so me come back from break. And we get the big hype job for Sean's comeback next week. And it's a full music video set set with theme music. It's like a minute and a half of just HBK footage. And then Bunny gets the last word. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was just a dark, a darkened room. 
He says you're making your comeback, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that you're not back for long. <laughs> no. And no. he's really sweaty. Why is everyone so sweaty tonight? Bundy in a pre-tape. It's just pouring off him. Is Binghamton part of the friggin' Sahara? What's going on here? I think, I think they must have been in the desert. There's like raw raw is Gobi. Like everyone is just sweating buckets tonight. <laughs> It's like, it's like someone broke the air conditioning system with a hockey stick or something. Was there a surprise drug test that night or something? <laughs> Everyone <laughs> just got the sweats on. <laughs> we had a big chili cook off before the show. <laughs> they had a really hot dinner. <laughs> we just eating a, we were eating a lot of chili. Like, oh, jeez. We, we had a ghost pepper eating contest to see who would challenge the BTE champion. <laughs> Oh, it would have all been coming out of IRS's paws. Oh, God. I, I, there's, uh, Erwin, when you get backstage, just just chuck that shirt in the bin. Like, don't bother washing it. Just straight in the bin, mate. Straight in the bin. We'll get you something. We'll get, we've got Barry Dodinsky's got you a Sid Diesel shirt you can wear. Just chuck it in the bin. Get yourself, get yourself away. But if, if everyone's this sweaty, how long was Mike Sharp showering for after this show? God Some bless him. Still, still there now. Some say he's still there. <laughs> and then they, and then you can hear soap being applied. <laughs> Must be Over clean. Over a cast Must be clean. <laughs> Over a working cast for a form that hasn't healed yet. <laughs> <laughs> sweaty night at the wrestling sweaty night at the wrestling <laughs> Irish ancestry.com he's, he's part sponge it turns out oh bless him <laughs> who lives in a pineapple under the sea I am Mike Sharp John Mike, Mike Rotunda <laughs> Oh my! Oh, it's IRS. Is the sponge? Yes. Right, John. I was. I got it wrong. I said I am Mike Sharp. I meant to say IRS. John SpongeBob Shyster. <laughs> Patrick Super Starfish. That's it. All right, we've had. En- I've had enough of this <laughs> flattened shite of a card we had to sit through. <laughs> We all have, mate. <laughs> Sorry, that was my David Penzer impression. <laughs> <laughs> if Mr. Hanky were a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, four Penzers in a row. <laughs> they don't get any better than that. They don't. They, that's the sad part. <laughs> that is, uh, that's the joy of where we are in 1995. So, next week... <laughs> Sean's back, so that that bumps up the uh, bumps up the average a little bit. From a point one to a point seven, <laughs> just by the virtue of sh- if Sean Michaels simply just appears and blinks, that ups the work rate. I, I miss Sean's week. commentary. You just bury everything. <laughs> oh, I, I, I doubt we'll get that time again. Not for some years yet. It'll be a lovely time when we get there. So, uh, next week, Shawn Michaels back facing King Kong Bundy and they qualify for the King of the Ring. Hey, Shawn's a great wrestler. Maybe he should win King of the Ring or at least get to the final. Just a thought. 
I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. Uh, just a reminder that this podcast is moving next week. You will hear us on our brand spanking new day on Tuesday. So really, you've only got to wait Saturday, Monday, three days, 72 hours before you hear us again uh, as our brand new home on a Tuesday. Once you've watched Monday Night Raw from 2021, you can wash that off with Raw from 1995. Which Nothing is a bit... to do with crab juice. <laughs> Look, I'll take a roll 95. <laughs> John, do that scene. So we're back on Tuesday on our brand spanking new day. Justin, you've had a lovely time today. As lovely as it was going to be under the circumstances. Well, I've got a headache and a cramp in my leg, so I think it has been a lovely time. And until we catch up again, which will be on Tuesday, he is at JRH Writing on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. It's not hot. <laughs> <laughs> That's coming soon, you suckers. Actually, it is It is hot in that arena. Oh, it is? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> it is hot in that arena. That's probably why he was saying it, to mock them. Love you, bye. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 